Hello, welcome to Exploit It. I'm Alexis Strowski. I'm Kevin Daly. I'm Charlie McMullen, here to exploit it. Yes, and this week we are talking about Death Race 2000 from 1975, directed by Paul Bartel. The year 2000. America is a vast speedway. People line the streets to witness the greatest drivers on Earth in a race from sea to shining sea. This is a death race. You finish first, or not at all. Death Race 2000. Every car a deadly weapon. Every spectator a potential point. It's a cross-country road wreck, and the traffic is murder. Who are you, anyway? Best driver on Earth. I don't want you to die. He was built by the world's finest surgeons to drive the fastest car ever designed, and nothing can stop him now. Death Race 2000, rated R. And this is like Paul Bartel's studio feature because it's the one he did for New World Pictures and Roger Corman, even though it's not really a main studio. Yeah, it, and this this conversation feels so familiar, like I've done this before. Yes, we have. Um, so because the the router died, and so we have to do the first quarter of this episode over again. Great professional podcast. That was just the first quarter. Are you shitting me? Yeah, it was only like nine minutes. <laughs> but anyway, so Death Race 2000, we jump right into the Star Spangled Banner. Which uh, I definitely thought was couldn't actually be in the start of the movie. It was played too straight, but uh turns out I was wrong. Yeah. The sporting event is sporting event. It, it's true. Although they um, it's played by a high school band, and the song kind of falls apart at the end, and it sounds like all gibberish. I didn't know if it was the video quality or just like, oh man, this band sucks. Probably yes. Did they did they include that weird third verse about like <laughs> the Civil War or whatever it was? No, but they do have a bunch of people waving Nazi flags. N- Nazi Nazi flags are like if you want to make something a villain, a Nazi flag is like the tunnel paint that White Lake Coyote used. Like just slop it on, and it works. Yes, that is just the thing. It's just, hey, there's not evil enough. Then throw a swastika on it. Right. We're always going to have that to really hammer it home when necessary. I mean, they're all basically pro wrestling villains in this one, so. And it's the 20th Great Amer. Oh, wait, no. The 20th annual transcontinental road race. And there's only five racers. But it's a, it's a cannonball run thing where they're racing from coast to coast. And we're introduced. Yes. Yep. We're introduced to the announcer, Junior Bruce, who's your buddy and mine. And he's an asshole. I hate him. <laughs> Junior Bruce has saying happy birthday to himself a lot of times. He does. Alone in his apartment. <laughs> and he hears the sound of engines on a racetrack. Surprise. And it's Calamity Jane. Calamity Jane Kelly, played by Mary Warrenov. Then we get the other reporter, Grace Pander, who I hate even more than Junior Bruce. Because she's... Someday, someday she'll make it to Team Jaguar, I believe in her. <laughs> Not Panther, Pander. <laughs> It's like somebody with a speech impediment talking about a panda. Did you see the panda bear? Oh, God. And everybody is her her good friend. She introduces everybody. This is my good friend Frankenstein, played by David Carradine, who assures us that Mr. President is at his summer palace in Peking. He loves everybody. Yeah, he's got the cane gimmick going on for wrestling fans. Yep. He's got the mask on, and he's just gone undergone so many surgeries, and the bar- pits of, bits of his face you can see through the mask are all scarred. 
He doesn't have any lips or anything, and somehow pronounces things. Well, like we'll na- figure that one out. Like navigator. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hard to say navigator oh. with no lips. Oh, oh, you, oh, you don't have a face. That's too bad. Do you at least have a name? Says Mr. President. <laughs> yeah, Mr. President <laughs> has no name. And they joke about like, oh, your new mechanical arm. You can shift gears in a twentieth of a second. And. Also, with the high-speed road race, you're only going up to fifth gear. Like, just the beginning is when you need to switch gears. And as long as you stay on the open road, you ideally don't have to shift again. That's true. Yeah, Especially I mean, given being the, able to, to... Given that there are no other cars in this world, apparently. Being able to shift gears in the 20th of a second gives you a huge advantage over everyone else who's able to shift gears in a quarter of a second. <laughs> and we meet our um navigator for mr frankenstein is annie annie smith who is according to grace pander her good friend and a red hot sex pot like all of the navigators yeah they're all sexual so you use those oven mitts fellas (laughs) and frankenstein goes i just care if she's a red hot navigator without his lips so it probably came a red hot navigator now this line was workshopped down from I am a character who doesn't think with his dick. (laughs) (laughs) But he kind of does. He does. And then we also meet Nero the Hero. Our most useless character. He is useless. Who Junior Bruce assures us is not fiddling around. Ha ha. Uh, Oh, because Nero, right. Yeah. Uh And now we're caught up to where we were when the the call dropped. There we go. Speed running. Yep. Be good. Hey, it's carsploitation. We got to go fast. Gotta like, go fast. Like Sonic. That's right. Now, I, I will offer uh, a too long didn't read for this entire movie, if anyone's interested. Uh, I believe it was in season two of the Black Dynamite animated series was the, the race war, where it was like it was like a spoof of Death Race 2000 and Cannonball Run at the same time, where it was every race represented by a different driver. It was a race race? It was a race race, but where it was... Uh, it, it came down to Black Dynamite, and uh, I don't know if it was just like a reference to Evil Knievel or just flat out Evil Knievel, but he was, it was Evil Knievel was representing like the baser instincts of of white people in that race. Oh, speaking of white people, I skipped over one of the racers, Matilda the Hun, the Nazi lady, the adorable swastika sweetheart from Milwaukee, and her Nazi navigator yeah. Herman the German Bosch. Who looks like fucking uh, Rick Moranis, and it really threw me off the entire movie. She definitely has one tattooed. She has one tattooed on her lower back. If you if you watch this on YouTube with the automatically generated subtitles, his name is Herman the German censored, because I guess they thought he said bitch. <laughs> Herman the German bitch. <laughs> I mean... And then we get Machine Gun Joe Viterbo, played by some nobody. Never once had... He doesn't have a career. What's his name? I think he was just in some some porn films at some point. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone? What's his name? But no, yeah, it's Sylvester... Oh, you mean Stud? (laughs) Yeah. It's Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, it is Sylvester Stallone. Yep, fresh off of his stud and kitties have a party. And he literally guns the the engine. This is the dude who would go on to play Rocky in, like, two years. Yeah! Almost exactly to you. He's probably riding Rocky at the same time. Yeah, so you could sense it in this movie. He's like, he's like, okay, I just got to do this, and then Lord's a flat push, and then it's all down. It's all smooth from there. And um, uh, everybody loves uh, Frankenstein, yeah. and Machine Gun Joe yes. doesn't because he's he's the number two guy. Yeah, he's also the heel. 
Well, not not that this could really have a heel. They're all fucking assholes. I mean, they're all heel. Well, this is just uh, Attitude Era WWF. And so he where pulls. Everybody's an asshole. He this is center stage at a strip club, man. It's all heels. <laughs> he doesn't like them cheering Frankenstein, so he pulls out his machine gun and fires it into the crowd. Which his name is Machine Gun Joe. I don't know what you guys were expecting. I know, yeah, he's just just busting out his his namesake. Should we invite Machine Gun Joe? Do you think he's gonna fire a machine gun at people? I don't know. <laughs> and then Frankenstein finally joins in the race. And your buddy and mine, Junior Bruce, says, In the name of Mr. President, America loves you, Frankenstein. I'm pretty sure Stallone has something to say, like, what about Machine Gun Joe or some shit, because he's doing that the entire movie. Yeah, he does. Joe has something, and then Frankenstein just looks at him and goes, You would regret that, Joe. And Mr. President, live from his summer palace in Peking, has a message where it looks like he descends from the gates of heaven. God Emperor, Mr. President. Yes, and he's like, my children, whom I love so dearly. He mentioned something about minority privilege. Yeah, that throws me off. He talks about we're thriving in the fertile fields of minority privilege, and I'm like, huh? The fuck are you talking about? There's not a single minority in this. (laughs) Yeah, this movie is all white people. What minority privilege are you talking about? I I guess guess Stallone is the most (laughs) minority as an Italian dude. At the most, that's a swarthy privilege. Yeah. <laughs> and then the race goes, and um, there's a Mr. President Loves You sign. I made note of that for some reason. That, that was hand-drawn by Mr. Vice President, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we, we learn more about this dystopian patriotism this world takes place in. There's a dude imitating Howard Cosell. Oh, yeah, and he's the one that gives us the score breakdown. That's right. We find out that they get points for running people over and killing people. And, the and more this, is like, this is like the second best Howard Cosell impression after the the dudes in Better Off Dead. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. Um, but, I was thinking uh, Rich Little doing the Howard Cosell impression on Futurama is a favorite of mine. But women... Yes. Women are worth 10 points more than men in all age brackets. Teenagers, 40 points. Under 12 is 70 points. And anyone over 75 is 100 points. Basically, the uh, more defenseless, the higher the points. Yep. Why? Who knows? If this is is Jeopardy, then the game they play in the Toxic Avenger is like the home game. And see, the whole thing is everybody in the United Provinces of America, as they are, um, knows that this race is happening. Right. And why these motherfuckers are out there anyway. Yeah, like, why don't you just stay home? Like, oh, the race is passing by. I'm just going to stay inside for the next 20 minutes, let them pass by, and then I'll run down to the loaf and jug. That's right. <laughs> Those are all people who don't have cable. <laughs> well, I don't know. Some of them do. Some of them know. They're like, how fast you move determines how how long you live. Or just not going outside. I don't know. There's that one motherfucker with the stupid bullfighter. The what? The bullfighter. Oh, yeah, Calamity Jane goes up against this fucking matador, dude. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? He's waving around a, you know, the little cape, and yes, she runs him down. It's not a bull, it's a fucking car. 
That guy should have been worth negative points. He was obviously mentally ill. Actually, given the point structure in this movie, it's probably worth like infinite points. And that's where um, Frankenstein pulls up to that nursing home where they've put all the old people out on the road. For euthanasia day. It's euthanasia day at the retirement home. They do this every year. He decides to mix it up and steers away from the old people and runs down all the nurses and doctors. Oh. Because Frankenstein's got a very twisted sense of humor. Frankenstein <laughs> likes a tragic irony. Now yes. who's going to help them? And you just see the car go behind these hedges, and there's just bodies popping up as he runs think, them down. I think there's supposed to be a sense of poetic justice to this. Like, these people putting people out in the street for years. Well, you know. Well, um... Grace and I also Pander. think this this scene is what Trey Parker was referencing in basketball with that that video that got taped over. Oh yeah, I remember that scene. But Grace Pander says that all of these doctors and nurses who are good friends of hers kind of had it coming. And that's when we meet the the resistance with Operation Anti Race, which is the most unimaginative name <laughs> ever. And their leader is Thomasina Payne. And I'm like, oh, oh, like Thomas Paine? Yep, apparently, according to what I was reading, the great, uh, some descendant of his. Oh, he's she's supposed to be like a great-great-granddaughter? Yeah, something like that's what That's what the, I was reading said. And her great-great-granddaughter her great is Annie, who is a plant. They've yeah. planted her, his Frankenstein's navigator, to overthrow it all and even though she's got this great plan with annie the uh other dude his lieutenant something or other is like well we're still gonna try our antics to destroy the race and that's the best way to put it is antics because the first antic we get is the uh the picnic setup that lures in nero remember that one yeah the, the fake baby because babies are worth tons of points yeah and they're like oh run over the picnic aim for the baby aim for the baby and it's a big fake baby that's a bomb and Nero gets blown up and no one cares because no one gives a shit about Nero. Yeah, no one did up to that point. They're even going to give less of a shit now. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly forget he's in the movie but it is, it, until you bring it up. It is, worth, it is worth noting, though, if you're up on your census data, one in every – I think it's one in every 13 babies is actually a bomb. Wow. Just any 13 babies at random, one of them's a bomb. Well, um, with the, the – Supreme Court on abortion, that ratio is going to go up. There'll be a lot more bombs born now. Too oh, political. God. God's will, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are talking about a movie that is a little bit disturbingly relevant today. <laughs> it is, especially with the politics and the blind patriotism. Like, they don't even need to name the president. He's just Mr. President. Right. And he runs a really strong patriot front with all these people and their Nazi flags. And I'm getting too political here. Any vacations in China? Anyway. Yeah. Um, Grace Pander goes to interview the, the wife of the very first victim of the race, who is her very good friend, the widow Bainbridge, and is like, I'm so excited that you, because your husband died, you've won a apartment in Alcapoco, a 30-inch TV. No, it's a 50-inch 3D TV. If only that were, like... Actually, in 2000, which is this takes place, that would have been a pretty solid pickup. Yeah, though we didn't really have the 3D TVs until just after Avatar there was that fad. Yep. And then Thomasina Payne invades the airwaves to give her ultimatum. Can you imagine someone still watching a 3D TV right now? <laughs> like they're stuck with it because that was an expensive TV. They can't just buy another one. 
Oh yeah, those things were costly. I mean, it was one of those things where they had the whole little setup at Best Buy. Oh yeah. And the, look how neat it is, look how neat it is. Here's the pamphlet, it's $10,000. But yeah, Thomasina Payne invades the airwaves to talk about, you know, okay, we're gonna take over the government and end the transcontinental road rape. That's right, which is a very specific form of road rage. Yes. You know, Frankenstein doesn't care, you know, and Andy's like, oh, but, you know, the resistance. Is the race all you care about? And he says, yep. yes, it's the <laughs> only standard of excellence left in this world. Also, nobody has condescendingly told him that Frankenstein was the name of the doctor and lived to tell about it. Yeah. Well, the other thing, though, Frankenstein takes his mask off and he's just normal. All he's that scarring Caribbean. is just, you know, costume. Right. Because again, pro wrestlers, pro wrestlers, and like, uh, like, like Kylo Ren just performing in mask face, mm-hmm. right. faceless appropriation. That's right. And so they get to their first twelve-hour pit stop, which is where we're going to take our first commercial break. We'll be right back. Hello, this is David Carradine. Well, the ghost of David Carradine, to be exact. I understand you're listening to a podcast about the movie Death Race 2000. That was a fun movie. No death sport, but a good one, nonetheless. And speaking of Death Race, I have a very important message for you today. You see, masturbation is much like a race. You don't want to choke just as you finish. Trust me on this. When you have to rub one out, just rub it out and do nothing but that. Slow and steady wins the race, like the fable master Aesop says, and he's right. Don't try to cheat and get to the end faster by using some unorthodox means. The last thing you want, believe me, is to be found hanging naked in the closet of some cheap Bangkok motel with your dick in your hands. You know what it's like to be a ghost in a Bangkok motel? It's terrible. I don't speak the language, and I've seen some shit. Shit that no human living or dead, should ever have to see. I was in Kung Fu, for fuck's sake. A legend like me should be spending the afterlife in a Shaolin monastery, communing with all the great martial artists. Instead, I'm here, haunting a dirty motel where dubious Thai couples hang out to fucking laugh at the old American man that masturbated himself to death. I tried to cheat at that race of self-flagellation, and this is the consequence. So believe me, boys and girls... When you stroke your junk, just stroke your junk. No tools, no choking, just you and your hand. Maybe you could use one of those squishy flashlight things, but even that's pushing it a little. Take it from me, a legend who knows. So, we're back. And let's see, they go to their 12-hour pit stop in St. Louis, and everybody's naked. Titties. Yeah, that's my, um... Uba. My note here is, all of the nudity. It's quite a lot of it. Yeah. Breast Race 2000. It is. And, oh yeah, Matilda the Hun says, I'm a member of the master race, a woman. And I'm like, okay. Now, that's that's what you would call a hunger for empowerment. I mean, at least that includes 50% of the people, rather than whatever tiny percent white people make up, so. Yeah, then just a tiny contingent of pasty white people. <laughs> right, so. 
hey. a wider, or at least a wider group, a little bit more inclusive. But um, we never get too much into Machine Gun Joe has his whole gangster shtick. Yeah, yeah, obviously. So his navigator is like a gangster mole, like a flapper girl. Yeah. But so dim. And Frankenstein goes up and and whispers to her just to just to piss off Joe. He's like, just tell Joe I whispered sweet nothings in your ear. And then Joe starts harassing about what did she what did he say? And she goes, he said nothing sweet was in my ear. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that is losing the purple monkey dishwasher game with as few people as possible. Yeah. <laughs> the telephone game ends at one. And then Frankenstein's going back to, to his room and there's the Frankenstein cheerleader that comes up and she's from the a representative from the St. Louis Lovers of Frankenstein and she's chosen from a hundred girls. And Franken's like, what, are you you're gonna have sex with me? Because I ain't gonna do that. I ain't I ain't like that. And she's like, oh, no, no, I just want to say I love you. And despite his morals of that he's not going to sleep with this cheerleader, that he's not like that, he goes and fucks the hell out of his navigator. While wearing, what was he, let's see, he had, a, he had his mask on. A black. And a Speedo. Speedo. Yeah, mask black Speedo. Speedo. Yep, mask and Speedo. It's a, a bold fashion statement. Probably a, well hit, uh, probably a well-hidden belt. Yeah, the note that I have is perfect body with a gimp mask. That's right. And, um, like, she rubs his body, and she's like, those Swiss mechanics did a great job. You know, because apparently all his limbs came from Swiss mechanics. I mean, that's what the myth is, right? Yeah, they probably keep incredible time. (laughs) But they're very neutral. There's a mechanic somewhere in this movie, because there's... This person is credited as mechanic, and it's a racing movie, so there's a ton of mechanics. But one of them yeah, is yeah, it's probably the guy. Yeah, it's probably the guy that that Joe runs over a little bit later. Yeah, that that is John Landis. Oh wow. Yeah, he would I later. Know that. Yeah, he would later go on to kill an actor and two Vietnamese girls with the helicopter. That's his big claim to fame. Uh, well, I don't know if that's his big claim to fame. It's a claim to fame about him. Uh, but also, speaking of death races, he did direct one of the biggest car chases of probably pre-millennium cinema. Oh, yeah. Um, the Blues Brothers, that uh, huge pile scene. of police cars. Oh, yeah, the end scene and the, the mall scene. And then so we get the races back on, and who who kills their own pit crew? Is that Joe that does that? That's Joe, yeah. To where your buddy and mine screams in the TV, Jesus Chrysler! Uh, that happens after um, Frankenstein drops his glove. Oh, yes. And then comes back around and just kills the deacon. Yeah, and they, they have this debate about, can you kill race race officials? The, the deacon is a religious personality and race official. And they decided, yes, he's worth points. <laughs> I just like the idea of a, of a car not starting and someone's like, ah, oh, this Chrysler died for our sins. <laughs> And so the the St. Louis lovers of Frankenstein, you know, show back up and he kills them. Well, it's the one girl. That's why she wanted to meet him so it would have meeting. That's the whole per- point of that cult. Yeah. Because they send somebody out there to give three points to Frankenstein, I guess. And then he lets Annie drive for a while because I, I forgot we have the – um. there's that point where they – go off this route and there's like a fake frankenstein that comes up to try and take the car right because they wanted to annie and and her grandma want to kidnap frankenstein and replace him with fake frankenstein 
And, and and he's like, oh, I don't know what the hell that was about. Maybe it was just a fan. Isn't that also a plot line of the WWF? Wasn't there a fake Kane at one point? I would not be surprised. Charlie, are you a wrestling guy? I feel like you're uh, a wrestling guy. No, not, not a wrestling guy. Uh, I just, the opportunity's been there for either of you to say Fakenstein, and I'm I'm ashamed that I have to be the first one. Fakenstein. Oh, you're, the, you're the comedian. The Fakenstein, yeah. Well, he runs over the Fakenstein. <laughs> Apologizing to him first. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> but he suspects Annie. He's real suspicious, so he lets her drive for a bit to test her. Sorry about running me over. You're super fucking hot, though. <laughs> That's right. You have great taste in clothes. So the Resistance set up a, a detour, which is so widely coyote-esque they put up like a a painted tunnel (laughs) (laughs) matilda falls for it and dies this is after isn't this after she runs over uh calamity jane's navigator yeah she runs over calamity jane's navigator and it's like well he shouldn't have been outside of the car it seems like there's some sort of unspoken rule about not killing the other drivers unless they're outside of the car (laughs) then all bets are off so it's not like um, Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal, yeah. That's how you know it's truly dystopian, is not even Birdseed is free anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's this little kid kicking a tire in the street, because I guess his parents don't like him, and they're like, hey, kid, go go play in the street during the death race. <laughs> Let's just let the Lord work in some mysterious ways real quick. Yeah. Let, let Mr. President. <laughs> Mr. President has our son now. God God Emperor, Mr. President. But Annie and Frankenstein are coming up, and Frankenstein's, look, here you go, Annie, an easy target for you. And she intentionally misses the kid. Which Frankenstein knew was going to happen, because she knew he knew he didn't, she doesn't have a stomach for that. And, and, you know, she misses, she goes off the road and drives behind a tree, and she's like, oh, trash. This is a movie where we're meant to root for the least worst character. Yes. She's like, oh, Drat, I just missed him. And Frankenstein's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it takes practice. And he knows she's full of shit. And he unveils his plan. There's some other scenes I like in here where uh, after Matilda dies, they're all eating around the table. And Joe's got the whole thing figured out that they're being attacked by the rebels and the representatives like threatening to kill him if he doesn't shut his mouth. Yeah, and then the government comes in with their propaganda that there's no resistance. It's actually the French. The treacherous French. We also get a really weak fight scene in the parking lot where the guy from Kung Fu kicks the shit out of Rocky. I kind of like that. Yep. And I've got to talk about the music in this movie. It's always so random. It is very random. I mean, it's it, it, it might be wrong to say that Sylvester Stallone as an actor is just good at getting beaten. But it's not inaccurate to say it. No, he he can he can just pull it off. Like I get why he he made so many Rocky movies. That's one of his skills. That's uh, Bruce Willis too. Like yeah, exactly. Bruce Willis. He looks better. Beat. He looks better with, with a beaten up face than he does without one. Shows grit. Also, also during one of the scenes after the fight, they get baited off the road to go somewhere else. And this was right be- right after the right before the glove scene actually and uh at some point he realizes he's getting like baited and he just starts 
doing some classic Stallone mumbling, and it's beautiful. Oh, well, at one point he calls his navigator a potato. A potato, yes. I'm pretty sure he ad-libbed that line. Yeah, he's just like, I think you're one very large baked potato. I mean, 1976 was a different time. We say P-word now. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Do a quick commercial break here. Yo, it's Machine Gun Joe. After the triumphs on the racetracks all through the United Provinces of America, many of my fans and survivors say, you know, they go up to me and say, Hey, Joe, how do I become a driver like you? Well, you can't. But you can purchase something close at the Machine Gun Joe's Body Shop and Car Sales. If you don't want to be an obstacle for the rest of your life, my team of engineers, metal workers, and weapons specialists will create a car that not only will protect you and your potato navigator, but will also turn the highways of America red, red with blood. Other cornballs may say that my cars are lemon meringue pies, but I shot them so, you know, come down to our Albuquerque location and remember the Machine Gun Joe promise. back so yeah they um the government's saying it's the french frankenstein's on to annie being with the resistance and thomasina Payne's granddaughter and oh yes when they're at that pit stop grace pander is super on the oh this is a great friend of mine frankenstein this is a great friend of mine machine gun show she is just super pander she's just laying she's doing the pre-work for her eulogy with that with that like she was beloved she had so many great friends Nobody shows up to her funeral, I bet. Like, thank God she's dead. They must have been too overcome with grief because she had so many great <laughs> Yeah. And I can see the Howard Cosell impersonator, like, narrating her funeral. <laughs> Grace Panther died alone with her cat suffering carbon monoxide in a ghetto apartment. True. She is like... survived by 5,000 really great friends. Truly a sight to behold. Oh yeah, the bad soundtrack, which is casual funk for the Frank and Joe fight. I have that note. <laughs> yes, it's awful. Casual funk is a great way to describe that. It's like a porn group. While they're beating each other up, why don't you? <laughs> I mean, I think those two just needed to fucking get over with, get it over with. <laughs> the sexual tension was palpable. Was. There's another sex scene with Frankenstein and Joe because I put random nudity again. It had been enough time. Yes, we'd, we'd gone like 30 minutes without it. I mean, it's an exploitation film. There's there's like a tit quotient to make. So Frankenstein has drugged Annie, and then he fights the rebels in their helicopter, and it's a really lame scene. This is so much better done yeah. in, in other movies. There's uh, some, you know, the helicopter chase, or, yeah, plane, plane's chasing him, I don't remember. I wonder if John Landis was on set that day thinking, I could do better than that. <laughs> But my, my favorite part is this random dude comes out in his car and tries to chase him down, like one of the rebels. And I'm like, the dude's literally the best racer in the world. 
this random dude's gonna catch him? Really? <laughs> it's like in Dynasty Warriors when you have the thousands of faceless people that each one thinks, I'm gonna be the one. I'm gonna be the one to get him. It just takes one. And then we realize that there's a romance now with Frank and Annie, and Frankenstein gives his his plot to take out Mr. President with his hand grenade. Like his, I, I love his it. hand is literally a grenade that he's gonna take off to kill the president with. Yeah, he, that's why he didn't want to take his glove off the whole time. His hand is literally a grenade. They call it Truman's bitch slap. <laughs> And then so Frankenstein wins the death race. Good for Frank. And, you know, it's in the costume. Because, well, he loses his, his hand grenade in the process, though, because Annie has to yeet it into uh, Joe's car. Yep. And so they Frankenstein goes up on stage, and Tom Cena Payne assassinates him, only to discover that it's Annie, and she's fine. Frankenstein pops up out of the car, and... Mr. President is up on this dais, and Frankenstein just runs into it and kills Mr. President. Now, I think if you hit the pres, if you kill the president in the race, that's an auto win, right? It has to be. Like, I mean, he'd already won, but like, if he hadn't already, I think that's got to be an auto win. If any teenager is worth forty points, I mean, it's got to be like catching the snitch in in Quidditch, right? It does. <laughs> and so. oppressed Americans, the execution of the barbarian killer Nero the Hero was the people's first strike against the evil and corrupt regime of Mr. President. I am Thomasina Payne, founder and commander of the Army of Resistance. For 20 years, Americans have been told when to eat, when to sleep, when to love, and when to hate. The age of obedience is over. In the name of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Harry S. Truman, I call upon you to stand up for your rights. We declare war on the bipartisan party, on Mr. President, and on the most inhumane description of life and liberty, the transcontinental road rape. I plan to deal very harshly with rebels. Anyone that is unhappy with happiness can go find someplace else to live. We plan to pension off the secret police, restore free elections, end minority privilege, whatever that is. Every single person in Death Race 2000 is as white as alabaster snow, so I don't know what minorities are being privileged exactly, but I guess, I guess we will end that too. So my fellow citizens of the United Providence of America, join me as we celebrate the establishment of our brave new leader. Mr. President Frankenstein, good luck and God bless. Um, apparently they follow Hunter rules because whoever kills the president is now president. <laughs> the, the president is dead long live the president. And Grace Pander introduces us to her great, great friends, Mr. and Mrs. President Frankenstein. Because apparently he still doesn't have a name. Oh, by the way, there's something about Frankenstein actually being like the Dread Pirate Roberts, and it's just a series of them. Oh, that's... When one dies, they're just replaced with another. I don't... 
they ask, oh, what about rebels? And he's like, well, I've allowed one into my home. And he kisses Annie. And then he lays. And he makes. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say, he lays out his political platform, to which is, let's see, um, I have it written down here. They're going to pension off the secret police, restore free elections, and end minority privilege? What is <laughs> minority privilege? Again, we'd have to have minorities in order for there to be It's just white people. Presumably cis white people. Cis straight white people. Yeah, and it's just... Like, that throws me off all the time is that the good guys want to end minority privilege. Like, you know, we, we want free elections and um, no more equity for minorities. It's bizarre. What was going on in 75? Charlie, do you know? Uh, what was going on in 75? Um, I don't know. I think uh, I think Roger Corman was getting to know the definition of the word minority. I don't think he was clear on that. <laughs> I think Roger Corman had a one night stand with a black woman that he became very attached to and she wouldn't call him back. And so he's like, well, I'm going to end minority privilege then. There you go. Yeah, because yeah, like, this no race will be the death of me. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, God. Night, this race will be the death. <laughs> We're just gonna walk out on that one. We're done. Podcast over. <laughs> and then he just looked off into the sky like Dewey Cox. So he um he also says that he's ending the race, and your buddy and mine is like, you can't end the race. This violence is part of America. America is a history of violence. Violence is our American heritage. And I'm like, two on the nose, guy. Two on the nose. There's nothing particularly subtle about this movie, though. And then Frankenstein just goes, ah, and runs him down. No, he, I love that Annie goes, do we have to listen to this guy? And he goes, no, <laughs> just runs him over. And everyone cheers. Wait a minute. Do we have to? We are in a murder car. It um ends with this voiceover, that Howard Cassell guy. <laughs> like, violence was invented in 2 million B.C. by a race of monkey brainless pygmies. You know, that predate the brain, and it's like, okay? Some sort of pseudo-anthropology. So it's like, okay, violence was invented by pygmy monkeys, and that's just what the movie ends on. Well, and it's just, it's just like, I don't know, I think that the theme is humans never had a chance. We were violent from even before our creation, so fuck it. The end. <laughs> and until we start letting our presidents have actual first names, we never will. So... Death Race 2000 was a fun movie. This is, I picked it for car exploitation, but it doesn't really focus on the cars so much that these these cars just exist and they're all decorated. Yeah, sort of. I mean, there's lots of room, room going on. I mean, what other? It is an exploitation film. The question is like, where do you categorize it? It sort of even like treads over some of the same tropes that you know black exploitation does, even though this movie has no clue what a minority is apparently. Yeah. And it wants to end minority privilege, which is the opposite yes. of black exploitation. It is not not only is it a movie with no minorities, but it is one that refuses to even grasp the concept. Right, it's bizarre. At least it, you know, I know no one likes the, the Paul W. S. Anderson uh, re reimagining with Jason Statham, but at least there's a black gay guy in it. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't hate that one. I mean, it had like Joan Allen and Danny Trejo. It was not bad. 
I, I mean, it's got Jason Statham. Anything with Jason Statham in it, I like. So. I watched it 12 years ago and have very little memory. I know Sean Bean is in it. He dies. Bad. No, get out of here. <laughs> Another news. Water is wet. Yeah. No, I, I, actually, I actually liked it. We watched that for an episode. We did, uh, like, underrated movies or something. We had a whole series where all of us picked movies. And we did I, yeah, the State from Death Race. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's not good, but it's fun. And at least it knows what a minority is. Yes, it does. This movie has no clue. Everybody in this movie is white. Fucking bizarre. And they're talking about minority privilege. I'm like, what? Is it affirmative action? Because you certainly aren't using that in every any aspect of your society. And not in 1975, and certainly not in that movie. But it is a fun movie. It's not Paul Bartel's best, because that's eating Raul. But, you know, and like we were talking in the lost part of the episode, Roger Corman didn't want a comedy. He wanted an action film, and Paul Bartel wanted a comedy. So we got an action film with some random shit, like news anchor saying, you know, how everyone's a close friend friend of hers. Yeah. There's a hand grenade. Right. This was kind of a prototypical trauma movie where it took like a – like a super unsubtle way, uh, like a cartoonish way of dealing with uh, with actual movie violence. It does. This, yeah. this certainly does have a, a good trauma feel to it. Like, just learning to, because, you know, exploitation would get far more over the top than Death Race. You can really see the Corman influence on Lloyd Kaufman in this one. Yes, definitely. Um, give me one second here. Like the mayor of Tromaville would fit in in that audience, particularly with Matilda the Hun's crowd. Only then he was Mr. Presidential Aide and not the mayor of Tromaville. <laughs> and so that's it for Death Race 2000. I need to find my outro. So I hope you enjoyed it. Big. Yep. <laughs> Big thanks to Charlie McMullen for being on the episode and recording an advertisement, as well as William Wright and Martha Page for their advertisements. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what we do, make sure to leave a review and let others know. Help get the word out. For more episodes, check out our website, exploitedpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at PodcastExploit or on Instagram at ExploitedPodcast or contact us at ExploitedPodcast at gmail.com. So we have our bonus episode coming up right now, um, which is Fast and the Furious. It's more car exploitation. And we will catch you then. If you'll uh, if you if you'll excuse me, I'm gonna go dust off my In Excess albums.